inspired by the Canadian Federation of the Blind. Outlook, a show about accessibility, advocacy, and equality. I'm Brian. And I'm Carrie. Outlook. Radio Western. Good morning. Welcome to another episode of Outlook. Hi, Carrie. Hi. <laughs> As you can tell, we're not in the same room this time. It was kind of nice for a change last week to actually be not in the studio, but at least in the same spot. But uh, oh well, this this works as well. So we'll do a bit of both. Yeah. Now that things are slowly opening up a bit, still trying to. Be careful. Be careful since Carrie and I are also both immunosuppressed with medications that we're on from our kidney transplants. We have to be, everyone should still be aware of what's going on, but especially people in our situation. And yeah, so it's very hot. We're recording this here on Saturday. (laughs) Nice and hot. I left the air conditioning on this time. I don't think it's too, too loud, but I want to be able to get through the show without heat stroke or something. So... Happy Canada Day. Yeah, yeah, right. Happy Canada Day. And uh, thanks to our guest from last week, Thelma Fail. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, Kara, thanks for lining that one up. And anyone who didn't get a chance to hear it, I'd highly recommend it. I think I mentioned already on the show, but I've updated the URL. So you can find all of our episodes at soundcloud.com slash outlook on Radio Western. So if you go to soundcloud.com slash outlook on radio western you can hear the thelma interview up there along with lots of other stuff and she's just such a great ally with the canadian federation of the blind and we met her at the convention out west a couple years ago and just lots of great insight and yes she's very very up on things very aware really very willing to you know chance making mistakes which we all do when we're trying to show solidarity um with other minority groups and things that we all intertwine as we've said but yeah yeah so what else is new besides the over the 30 degree weather i know you love the hot weather uh no i think air conditioning was the best invention ever um yeah, no, I've been dealing with uh, a lost cat the last few weeks, so I've just been a little little out of it. Yeah, it's been a couple weeks now that your cat got out, and I know uh, you've, you've had him for five years now, pretty much. and Six. Oh, six. Sorry. Lo- losing track of time here. Time's been flying the last decade, it seems. Mm. And yeah, it's one of those things, I think you've been a little worried since since getting him six years ago because we didn't really grow up as a cat family and you were always worried he might sneak out and maybe just a little bit of talk a little bit about being blind and having a cat (laughs) yeah i didn't know how it was going to be yeah since growing up we never had one we always just had dogs um it's kind of easy for a cat to sneak out if you can't see well it's my fault for not replacing his collar and a bell but that wouldn't have helped completely either so but yeah it is tricky when you can't see they're such 
nimble animals. Yeah, not that so it can't fast. I mean, that can happen to I mean, someone who can see as well. But yeah, and they are so fast that you know someone might be able to see, but they're still not fast enough to catch it. So it could yeah. it could still happen, but it definitely makes it a bit more of a challenge, probably. Yeah, I don't. Again, I don't even know when he exactly got out because I didn't even notice. You know, sometimes he hides out for a couple hours. Yeah, that's and the I don't thing. See Some him. cats are so quiet, and if you can see, <laughs> you can walk around the house. I was I was going to talk not much about it because there's not too much to say, but I did go to a friend's last night for a, a bonfire. Just a couple people there. No, nothing <gasps> too crazy. Sorry. I just want to point out that I'm still still taking the COVID and everything seriously. But anyhow. He uh, has had cats quite a bit throughout his life, and he can see. So even today, before we left the house, he drove me home. And before we left, he's like, I just want to quickly check where my cat is. And he, he looked around until he, fo- he found her. So, you know, and it, whereas for you, you might leave, you leave the house sometimes, and you don't even know where, where your no, cat Lunas I just, is. I always presume he's in here somewhere when I leave, if I don't have any reason to doubt it um but like you said occasionally i'm afraid he'll slip out um but i just yeah i was totally not expecting this he's been an indoor cat for six years so whether that's good or bad whether he really wanted a taste of the outdoors and now why he's not coming back um but yeah he was he was around here i had some great help from friends and family people who are cat people grew up with cats i you know their behavior is always interesting to me but they are so aloof and he he usually came when I called him indoors, but not always. But um, I we had sightings of him because we started putting out the litter box outside on my porch. And a few nights in a row he used it. Uh, and I hoped that he might just come back in my yard one of the days. And then I could open the door or he'd meow at the door. But no such luck. Um, I got... I heard a sighting from my neighbor saw, saw him on her, on her t- side of the property... Um, last weekend and I was so close I went out on my porch and I he came over to me and meowed and I could pet him but then I went well then he ate some food right right beside me I put his food bowl out because he's always loved his cat food but as soon as I tried to pick him up which I shouldn't have done should have been more gradual about it but you know in that moment you're like oh yeah once you've been waiting a week with nothing and then you're finally Uh, actually see him it's like okay let's get this done now and then sometimes in the moment you panic a bit or you're you're rushing things you're not thinking straight you just don't know done and that can be cause a little bit more stress too for the cat so yeah sounds sounds he hissed at me which he doesn't normally do um uh, and then he had a bit of an run-in with my neighbor's dog and, uh, I mean, he's used to my dog, but my dog's just a little dog. This other dog's bigger. So that spooked him, and he hasn't been seen since. And, like I said, for me, it's harder to spot him. You know, somebody could, who could see might be able to look out their window and spot, oh, there's Loomis in the backyard or whatever. Um, and I had a, we've tried a live trap, and I don't want to do it that way. I'd rather – so every night I've been leaving my window open a bit. I don't leave it open during the day. I assume at the, this time of day, it's so hot out there. I don't know what he's doing. So I just worry. So I've been a bit distracted, obviously. Yeah. It's too bad. And hopefully, hopefully the cat comes back sometime. <laughs> yeah. You never know. I'm, I still just try to stay optimistic in life in general. So, Mm-mm. and then not in comparison to a cat, this is just an object, but I woke up the other day 
it was weird. My modem was working totally fine, my internet, when I went to sleep. And then I woke up the next morning and it wasn't working. So I had to deal huh. with that. And this is another thing that ties in a little bit to blindness. Um, normally when you call to get a modem replaced, they ask you, plug it in. Oh, yeah. What do you see? Which light? What lights are on? Uh, so obviously that's an issue for me. Um, even though I do have a little bit of light perception, I can see a little bit of light, but not enough to really know, especially something like that. You could like use that. Be My Eyes. Uh, so yeah, actually, that was one option, but I also have um, a good friend here in London, so I ended up just FaceTime videoing a friend, and oh. he, he looked for okay. me. But if I didn't have a friend available, yeah, there is a an, an app called Be My Eyes where anyone actually listening, you can look into it. You can Anyone can volunteer for it, and it allows blind people to call a sighted volunteer at any time with any sort of question, whether it be reading something quickly or helping find a can of food or whatever it is. Um, yeah, I have a friend I went to school with who actually, I don't know if she still does it now, but for a while, a couple of years ago, she was uh, she was one of the uh, describers. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty neat. I've, I've used it a couple of times to get numbers off of cards and stuff like right. that, and yeah, it's pretty useful. So yeah, my, my friend did look at it None of the lights were on at all, so I had to get a mm. modem ordered <laughs> anyway. Not, not the most right. interesting story, but just another th thing to stress me out during all this time. Oh, yeah, it's a fun summer, and I'm just totally stressed out because um, I'm seeing what's going to happen with COVID as we get through the summer and into the fall, and then I'm also worried about the U.S., which... We still have four more months of that to go. So, so yeah, lots on our minds. But um, we should maybe circle back to some news that you have that you were going to talk a bit about um, that actually Thelma brought up last week. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, we mentioned it briefly. Well, she brought it up, and we were going to talk eventually about it. But I was, or I still am, the treasurer for the Ontario chapter of the Canadian Federation of the Blind, and in Ontario, it's been, it's been good. We've had our some, our fundraising uh, barbecues at Canadian Tire that we've had in the past. Unfortunately, it got cancelled for this year, of course. But we've oh. done those, and you know, had a bit of raised a bit of money here in Ontario, but it's still not that much. So recently, every year we have the Canadian Federation of the Blind national elections where all of the positions um, that are up for election are discussed over the phone conference and people can elect anyone they want and um, go from there. So I was elected treasurer, national treasurer. And I was a little unsure that there were some discussions beforehand. They don't like to spring things on people. <laughs> so, so the thing about the Canadian Federation of the Blind is that it's a very, very close, friendly organization where people, it's compared to some of these organizations, it's very personal. So Very sm small still. Yeah, it's all, it's all very small, which allows for it to be more personal in some ways too. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, so there's a little discussion before and I was debating back and forth in my mind. I wasn't sure. And then I was like, you know what? Might as well jump on this opportunity Right now, I'm working on the this radio show and my music radio show, and the bands I play in have kind of been on hold for the most part. So I figured something to keep me busy. Um, so I did agree, and it's it's an honor. I'm not 
really sure what to look forward to because it's <laughs> new for me. And this is compared to the Ontario Treasury, which was quite small. This is definitely a bit of a larger scale. So it'll be a learning experience. But luckily, everyone in the in the CFB is easy to talk to and help with answering questions. And the former treasurer, I had a brief talk with him on the phone the other day. Oh, and, nice. Uh, yeah, he was tired of that job. Don't blame you. I, like, again, I mean, I don't think this is something that is, woohoo, can't wait, right? Like, it's not Yeah, the, even for me that I pointed out in the last show that I've always loved math and numbers and something like this. I've, I've looked a little bit in the past, which I've talked about on this show as well, that I was considering look, uh, applying to work at a bank, and I actually did get interviewed for a bank job, didn't, didn't get the job unfortunately but it's just something i've been interested in and i just think this is a good experience for really the canadian federation of the blind in general is to provide blind people with opportunities that are harder to come by in society and this is one of these examples that for me to be a treasurer of another organization might be a little harder whereas here the uh, opportunity is a little more Fairly given. Yeah, we only we only have blind people on the board. While anyone can be a member of the Canadian Federation of the Blind, whether they're sighted or not, the only people that are on the board are blind. So that way, it does give us more of a chance to get these positions. And so that's kind of all I have to say about it right now. It's still in the transition project uh, process. So yeah. in the future, I'll I'll keep everyone up to date. I did I did go to the bank about a week ago to sign some papers and that was an interesting experience i haven't actually been inside anywhere public really since march for the most part so i did wear a mask inside there just to just to be safe and yeah it was a pretty simple experience just signing a few papers hmm. but yeah thanks to everyone in the canadian federation of the blind for electing me treasurer, and I look forward to learning a lot. I'm sure it'll be good for my resume as well, for future job searching. And Yep. Um, so who took your... You, you previously had a spot nationally on, on the board. Who took that? Oh, yeah. I was going to bring that up. <laughs> I think we did mention on this show that last year after the convention that we went to in B.C., Last year, I was elected member at large, which it's a very open position. There's not really any specific responsibilities. It's more to have someone else on the executive board of the organization, just to sit in on the exec calls, have some input into the executive, and just mm -hmm. to get a little bit more behind-the-scenes exposure and understanding of what's going on. So I was elected that last year, so since last june i've been on the executive calls for the organization however now that i'm national treasurer i couldn't be i can't have more than one spot on the board there so um a member from ontario here doug lawler is now member at large so congrats to him he's been a big supporter of the the organization and yeah, yeah some, we should. Someday we'll have him on the show. Like our guest, Ed, that we had a few weeks ago, he is also originally from Newfoundland. He don't, he lives in Ontario now, but... Yeah, I believe um, they've even known, known each other in the past. So. Yeah. 
it's because, a small small because, island because all blind people know each other right exactly so just that's a stereotype like myth there but in some communities it is more likely than others because like you say newfoundland but you know i you could say the same for writers i have a bunch of writers on facebook that i met through different ways and then all of a sudden i find, i meet another writer and i add them on facebook and then i see that we have s- like six mutual friends and they're all writers it's because of these communities they yeah and i mean it's they circle back well it is a bit of a stereotype that's unfortunate sometimes when people say it at the same time it's in other ways it is a good thing and that's what we're working towards with the canadian federation of the blind and any other blind organization too i guess is looking to connect with more people that go through similar situations everyone's situations are still different but we do have some things in common obviously and the more people you can connect with the better so yeah yeah anything else going on with you there's one other thing about me i wanted to talk about i just wanted to maybe break things up a bit <laughs> instead of just me 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 uh yeah no i'm just a bit on um i'm a bit of adrenaline rush i i spent most of last night uh up listening to an audiobook which got me kind of energized but um i think we'll probably devote next week's episode to that um do like a book review once i've finished the book because i'm actually not finished right now i'm in i think i'm in 1981 it started when this woman was born in like the late 40s and um but anyway she's a disability activist and uh, her story is very inspiring but uh it just made me all energized. Like I got to I want to do something, you know, like, but then what, what exactly do I want to do? Fix all the problems of the world. What's um, the, uh, what's the book called? Maybe if you just want to give a little bit of a tease teaser on mm-hmm. what you'll be talking about in more depth on a future show. So I've got a bunch of books on the go at the moment, which isn't great because I don't always settle on one. So I kind of jump around, but it depends on what mood I'm in, which on a certain day, most of them are, are, um, print books that I ordered on my iPhone and I use my Braille display to read them. I like to read the Braille. Um, and occasionally I like to order an audio book just because it's a different feel to have a narrator reading it to you. You feel like the person's talking to you and you don't have to, you know, it's hard on my arms to read. If I really get into a book, I want to read, read and read and read. And that can be sort of hard on my arms. Uh, so I ordered this, this audio book. So first I was reading um, Havin Gurma's um, memoir. She's a blind, deaf woman who graduated Harvard Law. Um, but I, I ordered another book the other day, um, and I'll get into it a bit more as to what spurred me onto it. But it's this uh, activist. So the book, her name is Judy H- uh, Human, which is actually German. Reader, it said it. It said it well. It said it like a German word. But when I, you know, to play on words, so because the book's called Being Human. Oh, okay, so that's her last name. Well, yeah, get not, it? Yeah, not spelt exactly the same way. You did cut out there for a couple seconds, but I think we got the gist of what you were saying. Uh oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, the book is called Being Human, and her name is spelled H E U M A N N. So it's German. So right. Um. So yeah, I'm in the middle of that book, but um, we'll get more into that next week uh i don't know if you want to talk now i have a bit more to say sort of an extension of that but uh well if you want to finish finish up the the book related thing 
Well, I am. No, I was going to talk about Crip Camp, although you've you've joined in a bit on on that now. Yeah, actually, I guess I guess we will get to that a bit later on in the show. Today's show is a bit of a a mixed mixed bag of topics. It's a grab bag. Yeah, it's a little more laid laid. Well, I don't know if laid back's the right word, but it's just a little more casual than the last few weeks where we, where we have had guests and had very specific topics for the whole show. Sometimes it's nice to jump around a little bit and cover. A bunch of different things. So I'll just talk briefly. There's not a ton to say about it. Um, I mentioned this briefly. I guess that would have been a couple weeks ago since we were pretty busy last show with our interview. I spoke over Zoom to the music technology class at W. Ross McDonald School, which is the School for the Blind in Brantford here in Ontario. And it's really interesting how this came about. I actually had a mobility instructor in high school when I went to school in Woodstock. And really great, great mobility instructor. Hadn't seen him in years. And somehow online, I don't really know how, but he found (laughs) out that I studied music industry arts at Fanshawe College here in London. And he tracked me down online based on the band that I was in, or that I am still in. (laughs) Like I said before, it's been a few months since I've been playing in the band, so (laughs) I'm getting confused. But he emailed the band, the one band I'm in called Trusty Fox, sent an email and said, looking for Brian Kajewski. I have a, a student that is considering taking music industry arts, and looking to contact him. So then it turns out he now works at the school in Brantford. Oh, he found you through Trusty Fox. Yeah. He just found well, my name good. through yeah, the email. I mean, that's, and... that's what's good about these things. You never know what opportunities happen and who finds you and who hears about you when you... The more things you do over life and time. And mm-hmm. uh, So, so yeah, I've been... was emailing him and over a few months, it kind of... Everything got delayed a bit with obviously COVID and stuff going on. Um, but eventually it got arranged that I didn't talk specifically to his student yet. Cause I know classes got stopped around that, that time and everything, but he did say that the music technology teacher, someone else there at the school has a class and she would be interested in me speaking to the class. So got in contact with her, finally arranged it and did a, it was about an hour. I haven't used Zoom too much yet, so it actually worked quite well. Pretty small class, as a lot of the classes are at at W. Ross. I think about three people in the class, plus a couple other people from communications courses and some other people oh. that were interested were on the thing too, on the on the call. So, so what was it like? Yeah, what did they ask you, or how did you present? Um. It was pretty much, I pretty much just gave an overview of a little bit about my childhood, my interest in music from an early age, playing guitar, always wanting to go to, considering going to school and how right after high school I was looking into it, but at the time, this was way back in 2005, and Pro Tools, which is the common software that is used in the music industry, I mean, there's still other software but that's the one that a lot of schools use as well for teaching but back in 2005 and it wasn't accessible so it was just pretty discouraging it was tough to feel like I would even be able to do the course whereas by 2013 
Pro Tools was more accessible. And so I, I basically just talked about my experience in school. I talked, one of the pieces of advice I gave that I've learned from my experience was consider not taking a full course load. And this is just my, my experience. It, everyone's different. But I've always been this type of person that's a go-getter and wants to get things done at the same pace as anyone else doesn't want to spread things out. Um, but during my second year of school, I had a bit of an accident at, at a friend's bachelor party and I don't want to get into too many details. Um, so but a PTSD. It's, a, it's a bit of a brain injury. And luckily, <laughs> just, a bit of a- just a bit of one. I'm very casual uh, about it. But no, at the time it was really scary. And I imagine in some mm-hmm. ways more so for you seeing it from the outside. Anyway, I think... Who knows, things may have happened anyway, but I do think I wasn't in the best frame of mind at the bachelor party in a lot of ways due to stress from school. And I think the first year I kind of made it through. It wasn't, it was a lot of work by the end, but I made it through. Whereas second year, it just built up and it was a lot. And then I did notice after this accident, I, I dropped a couple courses. So instead of taking six in a semester, I only took four. And then the next year I took the final two that I needed for the program. I just found I enjoyed the program a lot more when it was a bit less course load. So it's just something to consider. And that's, that's something you learn over time is don't always right away. You think, Oh, I have to do this or I have to go this way. Sometimes try to challenge your, your overall at first thought about something and think about your options and don't, don't be afraid or think that you're lesser or something if you drop a couple courses because anyone might do that whether they're blind or not sometimes they have other things going on in their life and it's just too much to do the whole course load at the time or who knows what it may be so as far as questions there weren't there weren't a ton of questions uh, so any, some people on the spot kind of hard to always think yeah there, there were a few I'm kind of trying to think offhand what if there were any real great examples I'll, I'll keep that in mind and let you know Um, mainly accessibility things. Most of the people in that class didn't use pro tools. They were using Reaper for, for windows, um, which is a software I've heard of. I haven't used it myself, but I guess it's quite accessible for the, for the blind on windows. I think they have it for Mac. I don't know if it's very accessible. So people were kind of talking about, would they be able to use those, that program in, in music industry arts. And what I said to that was, Music Industry Arts was a very accommodating. They really understood if there was a reason I couldn't do something with a certain software, they would allow me to use something else. Um, but at the same time, the fact that Pro Tools is accessible and it is the one that everyone uses, it would make the most sense to use that. So it's it's kind yeah. of just to be realized that they are accommodating, so that's a good thing. But at the same time, if, if, if there is something that you can use like everyone else, then it, in the end it makes the most sense. I mean, on a broader a broader scale, you know, um, I guess they were great. Like the disability um, department, or what is it called? Yeah. Um, disability services. Accessibility services. They were accessibility services. They were really accommodating and pretty great. You know, often it, it it's a bit of what you put into it also. Uh, so you obviously put in, put in a lot and showed up with ideas of how you wanted to do things or how you thought you, you know, and they worked with you and 
guys figured out the best way to do it. So Yeah, and I talked a little bit about the bursary for students with disabilities, which covers oh, yeah. certain costs, and that's another thing that I mentioned how I didn't really use it to my full ex- full advantage just because I was already overwhelmed with the school and everything, and it's, it's more research you kind of have to do as well. And uh, I could have <laughs> got a MacBook Pro laptop covered from it, but I still had a Mac that worked at home, even though like soon after the school... Uh, in 2016 it kind of stopped working I was like shoot I should have taken advantage of that so just certain things like that that you think but you can also use it to pay for uh, like a note taker yeah and that's another thing I mentioned that for me I I didn't really end up I've tried that a couple times and I found I could keep up with notes okay on my on my own with my braille display and that they gave us a lot of notes through uh, powerpoints that they posted on the server that had the notes that I wasn't really necessary but that it is offered and just extra th- certain things like that that are available, but but since everything's with, online these days, it's yeah, easy to... it's a lot easier than it may have been in the past. But we are coming up on the halfway point, so I guess we will take a little break. How's that sound? Great. Okay, you are listening to Outlook here on Radio Western, and we will be right back after these. Welcome back. You are still listening to Outlook here on 94.9 CHW Radio Western. My name is Brian. I have Carrie here on FaceTime. I'm your sister and I'm on FaceTime. Yeah. So, as I said, today's a mixed bag of topics and I just want to quickly say what we were ta- I was talking about before the break thanks to W Ross McDonald School for and um the music technology class for having me speak in the Zoom for their class and it's an honor and it's an <clears throat> experience I like to speak about and I haven't even talked that much about it on this show specifically about my experience uh-huh. in music industry arts and it's it's kind of weird cuz I graduated now three years ago, and even looking back into 2015, 2014, it seems like so long ago. So, mm-hmm. um, But it was good to do this presentation because it... And that's another thing I mentioned was tutoring. I did have a tutor a couple times when I was in the program. It was always someone cited, which in a lot of, wa- a lot of ways that was needed for certain things. But in other, thing, other ways, a blind tutor might be an interesting idea. So I, I did mention to them if any of them do go into music industry arts that they had my contact info, they could feel free to contact me because I could answer more questions then. And it's just something, you know, it's one of those things that I don't think, I'm sure there's more out there that I just don't know about, but there aren't enough blind people in the music industry or in audio engineering and specifically. And it's kind of weird. You'd think it would be something there would maybe be more. Well, you see, I guess we're um, unwillingly almost in our grab bag episode talking about stereotypes today um we talked about one earlier you know this is the one that well what can blind people do well of course they can do musical things um not me um well i actually have been playing violin i tried to get it restrung the other day but the music store is not taking instruments yet or corona could be living on my violin so anyway um you're more of a musician anyways but yeah no just like you said audio in general audio engineering you would maybe stereotypical or not think that that might be a good field uh but 
I guess not. Yeah, well. Any uh, any um others out there who listen to this show, or if you know anybody, you could. I mean, it's also <laughs> it's also a thing of maybe there are blind people interested in it, but they just don't know. It's in general, it's a tough industry, no matter what. But then, when you yeah. are blind, you are still at a. People might think, oh, you're at an advantage with your hearing and stuff. But then, like, you know, a lot of these studios are very fast paced and tearing things down and equipment and setting things up quickly and recording take one take two go 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 and this is on the clock and everything so it is one of those things where it's still probably there are some barriers so yeah well you are um you're a perfectionist and you're also a bit of a procrastinator so those those two don't necessarily go together but um no you always think i i think you do you know you do really great work it's always very audibly appealing um you know, you, you make sure it sounds good, which it should, um, but sometimes it can take you longer than it might take someone else, a little longer, and it's kind of a topic that it's hard to necessarily get into, but I've been thinking about it as I've been reading activist memoirs and watching what's going on um, with the economy, with COVID, what's going on in the U.S., productivity, like you said, with uh, attending college there, uh, you know, you're pressured to take a full class load and to go, go, go and get your degree as fast as you can and jump into the workforce and interviewing. And it's just it's such a fast paced um, lifestyle that we often have here in North America. And it can be hard to keep up with it if you have anything else going on. And that's why it, it becomes down to fi- finding specific situations that you fit into where maybe it's an, a project that the, the time limit or the speed of it isn't as essential or a big part now is people starting their own business mm-hmm. starting my own studio someday which is a still a, d- a dream but it's one of those things that i don't quite know how it could play out yeah um but this all kind of ties into barriers that everyone or anyone can face and yeah if you want to kind of lead us on to the next topic we want to discuss which goes back a couple weeks touching on something we'd already talked about yeah so um Two weeks ago, before we did our interview with Thelma, um, we did an episode and uh, um, we sort of talked about intersectionality, which is quite the word. Uh, Maybe you've heard of it, maybe you haven't. Um, It basically means everything that's going on right now with Black Lives Matter, um, with um, BIPOC, which is Black, Indigenous, people of color, and, you know, reforming the police and all these things that are very controversial and divisive in some ways, but in other ways, they're bringing a lot of people together. Um, you know, you hear that up to 50% of black people who have been um, killed by cops or, or manhandled and abused by the cops have a disability of some sort. Often it's a mental illness that is not, um, does not need a police officer with a gun it needs uh, better mental health care in the, in this country or in the US so uh, we talked about intersectionality um, Brian and I are obviously two white people who grew up in a very white area of Ontario uh, we got more exposure to people from other um, races and cultures once you moved to Toronto once we got out in the world a little bit I traveled bunch of stuff um when we traveled to the u.s for the national federation of the blind convention uh it's quite different than our small little cfb conventions 
where it's not quite as diverse. It still is. Um, but yeah, so it just gets us thinking about all that. And I, I wanted to openly uh, pledge that we here on this show on Outlook, we um, stand with people who are fighting for things like Black Lives Matter. If you feel um, unheard or if you feel afraid, uh, if you feel marginalized, if you have barriers in front of you. Um, and you're told often, you know, like I say, with productivity, just, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, you know, you know, you don't want to be a drain on the system, all this pressure that people feel. And, uh, yeah, so it's been interesting. I, I came across an article this morning and, uh, I just wanted to give it a brief mention. Well, um, but, um, it's someone from the National Federation of the Blind in the U.S., and I never met him when we went to the convention. Uh, didn't get a chance, but uh, he's a pretty big, important guy there in the organization, and uh, he's, he's a very good public speaker. I did hear him speak. Were you there that day, or did you miss that? No, I, I was there. I did hear him speak. And then I also, <laughs> okay. I think I heard him speak last year when we weren't at the convention, but we were able to stream the, did he speak that Right. Time? I think he did. When we were able to yeah yeah I heard it too. stream the general sessions, which will tie into something we'll talk about briefly on today's show, but more in depth in a later show, based on the fact that the National Federation of the Blind Convention this year is all virtual, right? Of course, of course. With COVID. So uh, <laughs> we'll get into that briefly, but um, yeah. So this article is called "Being Black Helped Me Be Blind," and "Being Blind Helped Me Understand That Black Lives Matter." And I just, I'm, I, you know, I, I was interested in, in hearing perspectives because Outlook is all about that, right? So um, I came across this article and I shared it on our Facebook page uh, if anybody wants to check it out. But um, yeah, so his, his name is Anil Lewis and uh, it's just an inter interesting perspective. Um, I have a friend who was having some really interesting conversations on Facebook just yesterday Um Today is the 4th of July, so Independence Day for the American Americans, and uh, she wanted to have a dialogue on her Facebook page, uh, like a real honest, open one, about how we could change some of the stuff that's been the status quo for a long time, and all the systemic um, racism that, that goes on, and ableism, and all these things. Uh, misogyny, things like that, that are important. Um, and it all sort of ties into itself. But she was trying to have honest conversations about it. And, uh, you know, it's just difficult for some people right now, um, if you're African American or not, uh, you know, to see what her country is going through right now. Um, but Anil wrote this article, and I read it. And uh, I don't know, what did you think? Yeah, Was just it what you expected? Yeah, it's a, I, I just, I really do like hearing him speak. And so reading an article, yeah. it was a great article, yeah. but I, I do think I felt even more connected when I heard him speak. But yeah. I, I just think, I do think it is a interesting perspective to get because like Carrie mentioned, we both grew up in a practically all white uh, area, small area in Ontario. And it's one of those things that it's, it is so, it is very important for, the uh, white, like white people, to to put it bluntly, for for white people to to have some understanding of, and yeah, it is it is hard when you're 
it's 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 comparable to comparable to uh, a sighted person understanding what it's like to be blind. It's in a lot of ways it's difficult to relate to that, um, but at the same time it's important that we do and we do start to think about these things more instead of saying oh this isn't that's a separate or not I don't know it's that's a group of people and it, well a lot of times it, a lot of times it's really hard it's, for me to talk about to be honest it, I, it, well okay that's the point <laughs> it is hard uh, and a lot of times we we actually like with this article we should be listening and uh, reading and so that's why I shared the article with you but yeah it's hard to speak about it but it's important um, because like I said, he's a he's an African American man uh, who lost his sight from um, RP ret- retinitis pigmentosa, which is a pretty very relatively common, well known of all of blindness conditions. Uh, it's similar to ours, but ours is a little more little rarer. Um, but uh, yeah, so he was writing an interesting perspective that uh, he just sort of spoke about. He he didn't really he wasn't deep into the Black Lives Matter movement, and not everybody is. Uh, depending on your circumstance, how you were raised. And, and it, it is difficult because if, you're, if you have a disability like blindness and you also, um, you might, if you're African-American, you know, there's a lot, a lot uh, going on there um, these days. And often, sadly, it gets set to, you know, one way or the other. Oh, I got to deal with blindness because that's a more pertinent issue in my life. It affects me more than... You know, not everybody has the same experience of being black or being blind or being being whatever. Yeah, I mean, there's so, only there's only so much time in the in a day, and then when you pick one thing, <laughs> you want to put as much time into that as you can. So, in in his case, maybe blindness more so in some in some ways. Once he was dealing with all of that, but then I just like I liked in the article how he admitted that he need, he is learning more about this stuff, and he is really um, he mentioned a couple a couple books in the article. I just thought would be interesting to read. One of them is called White Rage, The Unspoken Truth of Our Racial Divide. And the other one is called White Fragility, Why It's So Hard for White People to Talk About Racism, which is kind of what <laughs> I, I just do. pointed out. And yeah. it goes, there's two thing, two points to it. I think one, one point in my situation is that I don't think, and this is a good thing and a bad thing, I don't think about racism in the sense because I've just never the way we grew up and I know we were in this in the white area more so but just the way we were raised in our family and how like being open-minded and understanding of all people it's just not something I ever think about in the sense of being an, an issue at all but the fact of the matter it is an issue so by being silent you're downplaying it or you don't know what to say but at the same time at least at that point then maybe you should be a little more educated instead of it's good that i don't think about racism and i don't see it as 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 happening like in my circles or what maybe what i try to associate with and in my thought process i don't think i'm like oh everyone's a person we all go through a lot of stuff and i would never think of someone differently depending who the what race they are at the same time so many people still do unfortunately and so it is something to keep educating and keep be aware of this stuff and not just brush it off and say oh it doesn't in, doesn't involve me specifically so i'm just gonna because it's something we all have it involves everyone so 
Yeah, and it's just funny that um, our niece and nephew are growing up in a, a much different environment, um, you know, growing up in, in Toronto versus some rural area of Ontario. You know, they're getting a lot more exposure to people, and uh, I'm glad. I, You know, I always want to have hope for the next generation. But Yeah, let's... Uh, um... On the, on the episode from two weeks ago about intersectionality, we did play one clip of our brother talking about us being raised in Woodstock or in and around Woodstock, Ontario, which is, was a very small community where pretty much everyone in our schools growing up was white. He talked about our childhood just based on the fact, too, that he was sighted when we weren't. So he had maybe a thinks about things a little bit differently or at least, you know, being able to see different people. Outlook. Yeah, different outlook. Um, but we did get another clip from him talking about his his kids now growing up in Toronto, which I also lived there. And as you pointed out earlier, a bit, a lot more <laughs> multicultural than Woodstock. So I mm-hmm. got a bit of that experience living there. But um, Leia, let's just listen to uh, a little clip here from my brother Paul talking about his family and raising a couple kids in Toronto. And I guess with my kids, it's a complete 180 of what we, you know, um, experienced growing up. They, their school, their neighborhood school, there are no minorities or majorities. It's, you know, they're submersed in a school that is I, I don't even know what 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 I could call it it would it would be evenly diverse i guess uh, you know it's and and because of that they view their classmates as classmates and not like they don't they don't see any any differences in kids the you know the differences are you know some kids like sports some kids don't you know and some you know uh, it's 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 completely different from what we experienced it's and and I think I think it's it's good to begin the foundation of you know, acceptance and, and then you teach the kids, you know, from that point. And, 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 um, Sophia just recently did have an assignment on racism and, you know, um, that sort of thing. So she, she began learning that, you know, the world isn't fair, but I mean, with kids, they, they learn that earlier on that the world isn't fair and it's not always going to be fair for people, but, but it's just a matter of showing that, you know, because of how somebody looks shouldn't be the reason why it's not fair. And, and one of the, one of the important things that that I discussed with her while she was watching these videos and researching this topic was something that that I learned from my grandparents and my parents was, you know, treat others as you would like to be treated. And it's, you know, that's a good 
it's a good thing to live by, you know, no matter who you're dealing with. So that was our brother, Paul, who is raising two children, uh, 10 and 7 at this point, I would say, <laughs> um, in a totally different environment than we grew up in. But yet, you know, at what age do white children have to realize that Caucasian people in our world are given uh, a lot that people of color aren't? obviously uh and uh when will they learn that uh you know yeah i just but think he does, it's does a good job i think it's it is really really neat in in a lot of ways that they're going to school there in in toronto where there is a lot more cultures and and they're exposed to that, that growing up uh, i think in a lot of ways that is that is great because they're f at such a young age they have that experience that we didn't have i think that's really neat and yeah, and the fact that they're doing assignments about it and that they are talking about it, because the, you know, like, like we all know, the wor a thing you can do is just not talk about things and mm -hmm. then you're never going to learn or never going to change. And even yeah. though these are difficult things to talk about, and um, the simple thing that he said about treat others the way you want to be treated, that's a statement that everyone's heard but it's very true and i just think that's also another thing and it's yeah it's just really interesting to think too back a bit back into childhood and back that long ago where you are a kid and most of the times kids are very innocent and don't know what's some but of it's just things it's about solidarity with people that if you hear somebody um is protesting because they don't feel that the cops are there to protect them like they are white neighbors, then you listen to that. You don't criticize them. You don't downplay that. You listen and acknowledge that because you know what it's like to be human and vulnerable and afraid and sort of, um, you know, shunned to the side or mistreated you know, prejudice is, 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 is out there. So we're going to keep talking about that on the show in any way we can. And, uh, I Absolutely. go back to the big word It'll intersectionality, but a common topic. And I just wanted to mention once more, the article title, just in case anyone missed it. It was written by Anil Lewis, A-N-I-L space L-E-W-I-S. And it's called being black helped me be blind and being blind helped me understand that black lives matter. And you can find that on the on nfb.org. Just do a Google search for the article. But it's actually posted in the Braille Monitor, which I believe is a similar idea to the Blind Canadian here in Canada. Yeah, it's their, it's their newspaper or their magazine. Yeah, in the U.S. And that quickly ties in again to the, the convention that is happening this year. It's going to be virtual. And we'll definitely talk about it in the future shows once it's actually happening or happened. Um, but... It does suck well, yeah, not actually being able to go to a convention, but at the same time, it, at least they're still doing it, and it's kind of nice that you don't have to worry about traveling this time and everything, but you can still, anyone can be part of it. It begins on the 14th of this month, so a week from Tuesday, and it's five days long, and yeah, if you just go to nfb.org or look up NFB Convention 2020, you can find out about it, and even if you're not registered, 
which is the registration is closed, you can still join in on some of these Zoom meetings and just listen in to what's what's being discussed. Well, like you talked, like we said with um, Thelma last week, I was called her Velma. Um, Thelma last week, you know, most times sighted people don't attend these conventions, and I, you know, why would you? But at the same time, it is if we all want to start not being so separate, we have to open up to what each other is going through, and that just means putting yourself out there a lot more into situations you might not. So if you have any interest at all in learning about some of these issues, some of the things we talk about here, um, but get a lot more perspectives. It's funny to me. The convention is, it was set to be in um, Houston, Texas this year, and they were so excited. Uh, and I would not go there at the moment. Uh, I think Texas has been hit pretty hard with COVID. Well, yeah, obviously <laughs> this convention is not happening in no. in person. So. Uh, Online so, it is. Yeah, so if you, if you do go onto the NFB website, we'll talk about this more in on uh, future episodes, but the agenda is up there. So you can look at all the different speakers and all the all the things that are going on and see if there's anything that does interest you because you know last year we listened to some of the general sessions online and they had people talking about the new driveless cars and just so many different topics so you can learn a lot from from listening to this stuff and if if anil Anil lewis does speak again this year which i'm hoping he will Mm -hmm. definitely try and check that one out if you can because it's great yeah maybe he'll sort of do an audio you know an audible version of this sort of essay he did which Brings it to life a little more. Yeah, for sure. Very charismatic, a very nice voice to listen to. Um, yeah, so I we're just down. Gonna... We've got but just under five minutes left here on the show. <laughs> That's okay. I just wanted to quickly talk about Crip Camp. It's my camp experience for the summer. I'm not traveling. I'm not out and about a lot. Uh, but there is something that's happening, another thing that's happening online with Zoom. Uh, and you've been able to check out a few of them with me. You've been here a couple Sundays recently. I've been a bit distracted. It's been going on for weeks now. Every Sunday at 5 o'clock, I join the Zoom call, and they have speakers who are teaching their expertise about disability. So it's not just blindness like we talk about with the um, NFB and CFB. It is all disabilities, and that can be complicated because there's so many, uh, again, intersectionality and um, but, uh, yeah, so um, two weeks ago, there was a the session was about sex. So they were just talking about, and they're talking about um, um, LGBTQ people. And uh, so I wasn't really paying attention because I was worried about my cat. But then last week, I caught my attention when they surprised us. And all of a sudden, uh, I heard Obama's voice. President Obama, Barack Obama, was on the call. Because yeah, I was there too. And I was quite surprised, like, just like you were. Whoa, wait. Now, is they this did live? have. Um, that we talked about the actual movie Crip Camp that inspired this, this right. whole thing. They, he was involved in the production of that movie, I think, or what was their connection again? Yeah, they both. Yeah, him and Michelle executive produced it with their new their new production company. Uh, so yeah, they got him on to just talk about um, advocating and what you can do to get involved. Because the speakers that followed him were talking about your civic civic responsibilities in society uh, you know voting and running for public office and, and a whole bunch of things you can do to get more involved so he sort of was just launching that so it was everybody was quite starstruck and you know he wasn't the topic I was there to listen to he obviously doesn't have disabilities so he was giving his perspective as uh, with his time as president and uh, I guess he was there when they had the 
the 20th anniversary of the uh, um, Americans with Disabilities Act. They're celebrating the 30th anniversary in a few weeks. So what an exciting time that last week was. And tomorrow we're talking about social media. So that'll be fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you have another one coming up tomorrow, which as of recording this tomorrow is Sunday, a couple days. Right. Okay. Yesterday. In the past, uh, from when you were actually listening. Can't to wait to get back in the studio, live. Radio Western. Yeah, one of these days we'll, we'll make it back when it's safe to do so. But at least we can uh-huh. still bring you new outlooks from home. Because this stuff, we just we have to keep talking about it. Yep. So, yeah, I guess that pretty much wraps things up for today. We had a few topics we didn't quite fully get to, like the book that you t- mentioned you're reading. Um, so yeah, Judy will. Newman Judy Human was the other one who came on um, with Obama last week. And so I'll talk about my book review. I'll finish the book by next week, and we'll talk about that. What an interesting life she's led. Yeah, for sure. I do remember her from watching the movie and then hearing her talk there on on the virtual Crip Camp Zoom conference when I was at your place last Sunday. It was really neat to hear. So, yeah, I look forward to hearing about her book. All right. Cool. All right, Care. Hopefully well, I hope everybody has your, a great week. Maybe we'll have some good news next week and you'll have your cat in mm-hmm. this back. Maybe. You don't sound too optimistic. <laughs> Stay well, I hope everybody else positive. has a good week. Yes. Stay cool, everybody. Have a good week, and we'll talk to you next time. Find us on Twitter at OutlookCFB and on Facebook, facebook.com slash Outlook on Radio Western.